setting limits with others, especially in high-conflict situations where they're needed more than anywhere, or actually in any uncomfortable situation, is hard for most people. So we've created a place to learn how to do it in our virtual live lab, where you'll meet live one-on-one with one of our coaches to learn how to set limits. We'll use some of our own scenarios, and if you want, we can help you learn to apply them in your unique situation as well. It's a small investment with significant positive outcomes for you and for everyone involved in the situation. Schedule your live lab at highconflictinstitute.com slash live dash lab or call us at 619-800-2070. Welcome to It's All Your Fault on True Story FM, the one and only podcast dedicated to helping you identify and deal with the most damaging humans, people with high conflict personalities. I'm Megan Hunter, and I'm here with my co-host, Bill Eddy. Hi, everybody. And we are the co-founders of the High Conflict Institute in San Diego, California. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about narcissistic high conflict people, or as we like to say, narcissistic HCPs. But first, we have a few quick reminders. Here's the deal. We want to hear from you. Have you dealt with a high conflict situation? Been blamed? experienced violence or abuse from an HCP? Or maybe you simply dread seeing that person again, but you might have to tonight at home or tomorrow at work, or maybe it's the neighbor next door. Send us your questions and we just might discuss them on the show. You can submit them by clicking the submit a question button at our website, highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast, emailing us at podcast at highconflictinstitute.com or dropping us a note on any of our socials. You can find all the show notes and links at highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast as well. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and please tell all your friends about us. Telling just one person that you like the show and where they can find it is the best way you can help us out and help more people learn how to address high-conflict people. We appreciate you so very much. And now, on with the show. In the last episode, we discussed the five types of people who can ruin your life, which, Bill, you describe in your book uh, by the same title as people with high conflict personalities. And we've discussed that a bit in the episodes. Now, in this episode and in the next four, we plan to talk about each type. So today we'll start with the narcissistic HCPs. So I guess the first question is maybe kind of a refresher on what an HCP is, and then we'll get into specifically, you know, the narcissistic type. Well, basically, the HCPs, high conflict personalities, seem to be have four characteristics that are fairly easy to spot once you're paying attention. One is they're preoccupied with blaming other people. It's all your fault, not 50 or 60 or 80 or 90 percent. It's all your fault. And the person saying that takes zero responsibility. So that preoccupation with blame, what we usually call people's targets of blame. The second is a lot of all or nothing thinking. So they see things like that it's all your fault, but they see other problems this way too. And their solutions to problems are extreme. You know, if you leave the company, then everything will be fine. 
um, or it's my way or the highway in our divorce agreement. You know, if you never see the kids again, they'd be probably better off, those kinds of things. Then there's unmanaged emotions, which sometimes we see and sometimes we don't, but they can drive the person to do really extreme things. So even if you don't see it underneath, the emotions are driving what they're up to. And the last is really extreme behaviors. And this is the biggest problem with high-conflict people is they can't stop themselves. They keep repeating and repeating the same patterns of behavior. And so it eventually is the people around them that stop them or society. So people around them, like spouses saying, you know, I, I want to get out of this marriage, or an employer saying, you know, you're, you're going to have to leave this department or maybe leave this company. It's this extreme so that you have to set limits. And this is a lot of who gets in trouble at work, maybe has some discipline. And in society, think of things like domestic violence and such, where the courts have to impose restraining orders and the police enforce them. So that's the extreme behaviors. But it might be spreading rumors on the internet. And a lot of it it's really troublesome because other people believe that what they're saying is okay. And that's one of the things we'll talk about is how other people become negative advocates for high conflict people. So that's the quick nutshell. <laughs> Good. Okay. Yes. And you're right. It, it's so easy to get you know, pulled into a dispute like this and, and someone who is blaming and they have so much, uh, they're so persuasive in, in, in their story, right? Okay, so let's move on then to the narcissistic HCP. So I think it would be good to talk about really the difference between, you know, what we think of as a narcissist, which is a, a really common term, and someone who actually has narcissistic personality and and then the narcissistic HCP. People think of narcissists as mostly self-centered. You know, the guy's self-absorbed. He's a narcissist. Um, yeah, he forgot your birthday. He must be a narcissist. But the narcissistic personality, when it's really a pattern, and at the extreme narcissistic personality disorder, the person really is arrogant, is demeaning to the people around them. So if they're a manager, a narcissistic manager, and we hear a lot about them, they belittle their employees. They criticize them. Then they take credit for the good work that they do. And then the things they do that aren't good, they blame on their employees. So we get this thing of them kicking down at the people beneath them, but they also can be very charming. And so management higher up may have no idea how the employees are being treated. So we call it kicking down and kissing up. But you get this too in a marriage. So you have a narcissist personality, whether it's a disorder or not, that's, that's really criticizing and demeaning their partner, including in public. And this really surprises people because the person seemed so charming when they got together, 
But then there was that uh, switcheroo that uh, turned into high-conflict behavior. So a, a narcissistic high-conflict person is one who really has targets of blame along with their general belittling behavior. So they may single out a particular person. It might be someone, you know, the person they're divorcing. And so they go to family court to prove that it's all, uh, let's say, their wife's or their husband's fault. And in the workplace, they may pick one employee that they really harass until the employee ends up taking a medical leave because they have stomach aches and can't sleep. But it's an intense thing. It's not just self-centered. It's really arrogant and demeaning. What are the statistics on uh, narcissistic personality types? There's some research done, it's actually about 15 years ago now, on narcissistic personality disorder and its prevalence in the United States among the adult population, because you can't diagnose this before they're adults most of the time. And they came out to around 6%. Uh, so about 6% of 300 million or so, that's about 18 million people with narcissistic personality disorder, which means that everybody's, everybody's met a few of them. Right, right. So, so 18 million with narcissistic personalities. And then how many HCPs then would you think? I tend to think maybe half of people with these personality disorders, the five that we talk about, maybe half of them um, are also high-conflict people. That means they focus on a specific target of blame. So maybe half of people with narcissistic personality disorder don't blame anybody in particular. They just think they're superior and they'll blame the next person they see, but they don't stay focused that way. When they're a narcissistic high-conflict person, then they really zero in and fixate on a particular person and really, in many ways, may emotionally destroy them. We've seen situations like that. They just focus their belittling, uh, demeaning behavior um, and, and don't seem to let go. And that's really can be devastating. You know, we see this in many aspects of society. I was just reading the other day about someone who probably was a narcissistic coach, a sports coach, and he was so demeaning of this one particular college kid that he committed suicide, the college kid. And I think he was very much experiencing a narcissistic HCP because he became the target of blame. And, you know, he was a college student. Of course, he's not going to be perfect. Of course, he wants to learn. But that's a very vulnerable age, too. Um, we've seen all these athletes, the young women uh, gymnasts, and man who, you know, was sexually abusing them. And sexual abuse, you see often as narcissistic personality or antisocial personality. But narcissists, they target somebody, then they can make that person's life miserable if they tell what's happening. So why do they do that? What, what drives them to, to sexually abuse? I mean, eventually, they, you would think they would know they're going to get caught, right? So why don't they stop themselves? I mean, we've clearly established that these are folks that don't stop themselves. So I, I get that part, but it's confusing, I think, 
Yeah, well, I think the more I've been into this, and it's 41 years now since I learned about personality disorders as a counselor and the last 20 years focusing on them as high-conflict personalities, the half maybe that have these targets of blame and such. And I really think a lot of this has a genetic component that to some extent people are born with this tendency And depending on life experience, they may become less likely to harm other people or more likely to. And you said knowing they'll get caught, but a lot of them haven't been caught. And especially, you know, like the guy sexually abusing the gymnast, I think it's in the hundreds that he he abused and really was out for his own thing. But if you think about this, a lot of times the high conflict personality has a drive to have power over other people. And when people have power over other people, we often see then that some of the sexual stuff comes out, that some people just have have a, a sexual drive that they can't contain, and it's part of their personality. And like I said, I think narcissists and also antisocial personalities seem to be the ones involved with this. And part of its dominance, in many ways, it's not really about sex. It's about dominance. And I'm superior to you, and I can do anything to you I want. What's the worst thing I could do? And that's generally sexual abuse, short of killing people. So some of these folks sexually abuse and kill people. But that's more the antisocial personalities. Narcissists just want to prove they're superior and they can push people around. And I think that's a lot of why we're see why we see this. People get extreme power, they become sexually abusive. Let's talk about the empathy factor here, because you know, most people would have empathy for another human and would never do this. Right? So, uh, you know, I, I know I've been in, in several situations where I'm trying to I, I find myself explaining to someone how to have empathy or why they should have empathy. And I, and they just don't get it. And I finally smack my forehead, you know, like, oh, oh, okay, now I know what I'm dealing with here. Someone who really doesn't have the ability. So let's talk about that. Yeah, well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. They may not have the ability. And that's one of the characteristics of narcissistic personality disorder is a lack of empathy. And it can be shocking to people because empathy restrains us from some of our worst impulses. And so you feel like, you know, I really want to harass this person, but oh my goodness, the pain that would put them through. I don't want to put them through that. Well, that's empathy. Narcissistic personalities have very little or no empathy, so they don't have that kind of break on their behavior. And so if you think of like a speeding race car without a brake, um, look out because they're dangerous. What's interesting is empathy is partly born, we're partly inborn with empathy and partly learned. And so if someone's born with these like narcissistic tendencies and they don't experience empathy um, in early childhood growing up, then it's like you're speaking a foreign language to them. And I think there's many narcissists that it is like that. It's like you say, well, can't 
can't, don't you realize how that person's going to feel? And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> and they don't, they don't get it. And, and that's kind of shocking to other people that someone could be so, let's say, mean to somebody and then not care about how they felt. Right. How do narcissists see themselves? Uh, they honestly see themselves as superior people. And studies have been done, even unconscious, like without them knowing, I guess they're doing that. And unconsciously, they believe they're superior also. So it's really embedded in who they are and often goes back like to childhood experiences. Some people, it may have been abuse as a child, so they've overcompensated by trying to pretend they're superior and picking on other people and creating what some people call the false self, that the false self is the narcissistic self-image that in many cases is adopted by four or five or six years old. And the false self might be, I'm going to be hugely successful, I'm going to be hugely rich. And then when it doesn't happen, um, they get angry at the people around them because it's got to be somebody else's fault. <laughs> of course. Of course. I, I had an experience uh, where I kind of had an, an epiphany that uh, a narcissistic HCP who was a bully, anytime this person would bully others, I realized that he saw himself as a hero and a protector, whereas those he was bullying saw him as a tyrant and a, you know, a really horrible, mean bully. Well, they, they often pretend there's a crisis and they're going to save you from the crisis. And so they're going to save you from yourself. They might say, you know, well, you're so stupid or, or this or that. I'm not going to let you see your friends today because you just, you know, you just always get messed up and, and you just don't have the ability to um, not get hooked in by your friends. So I'm going to block you from seeing your friends today or other you know, verbal abuse, et cetera. A lot of verbal abuse comes from narcissists. But they put it in the context of, I'm helping you. See, I'm, I'm like teaching you. Um, I think of a domestic violence case that the, the man saw himself as a teacher of his wife. And I'm teaching you how the world really is and what, what to do and what not to do. And I'm in charge now. And it's it's so arrogant um, and and pathetic because they just lack empathy. They see people as almost objects in their life to manipulate. Hmm. What are the the different types of narcissists? Uh, vulnerable narcissists and grandiose. And you hear people say, you know, use the term malignant narcissist. So are these real terms? They are people that work in, especially in um, mental health. But, but the reality is today, and part of, I think, the benefit of doing our podcast is that there's a lot of people with mental health problems that aren't getting any mental health treatment and aren't being dealt with there, but are being dealt with in the legal system, um, in the workplace, etc. And so these terms, I think people should learn about. So vulnerable narcissists, in many ways, um, it feels vulnerable when things go wrong. 
And so, but because they have a false self-image that's superior, they have to shore up their image. So they get angry, like let's say at their spouse or at their kids. It's like, see what you made me do. You know, it's all your fault. And yet they're vulnerable. So when they have what we call a narcissistic injury, when something chips away at this superior image, um, they react. And I think of it as hot anger. It's like an impulsive anger. How dare you? And sometimes you see this with domestic violence, that they'll strike out. They'll hit the child, hit the parent, hit the, the partner. The grandiose narcissist doesn't seem to have that same vulnerability. And the vulnerability may have come, let me back up to the vulnerable narcissist, may have come from having been abused as a child and really experiencing um, abuse and shame. And so they have a core of shame inside. And a lot of therapists will talk about that there's this core of shame underneath people with narcissistic personalities and that they get in touch with that when things go wrong. The grandiose narcissists don't seem to have that core of shame. And in many cases, they grew up entitled. So when they did did good, they got what they wanted. When they did bad, they got what they wanted. And so they learned that I can do anything. I can get away with all of this. Uh, I've seen in family court uh, narcissists who really didn't want to end up in court and then they're in court, and to their surprise, they're winning because being a blamer does well in court. It gets the judge's attention, and and wow, you know, you're you're upset. Maybe something happened to you, and so they're good at manipulating professionals that way. So I think of them as having cold anger that they may be more um, plotting about this, uh, which leads to overlap similar to antisocial personality disorder, which also has cold anger, can be very abusive, gets into fights. Narcissists don't really, aren't looking for fights. They're looking to win verbally. And so their, their bullying behavior is mostly verbal. But the grandiose just sees themselves as so superior, they're not often even bothered by criticism or things going wrong, because they just truly believe it was other people's fault. And so they just keep going. And what's interesting to me is this personality is in the professions like lawyers, doctors, some accountants, some therapists. It's why, you know, some actors, etc., and what's interesting to me is when I get to see people like this over time is to see whether they learn or not. So, for example, narcissism with politicians, a lot of narcissists like politics. And if you see them over time, like they lose an election and they're upset. And the question to me is, are they going to learn or not? And I think of... of politician in our city uh, a few years ago who thought he was the world's hero, and he got voted out of office. And the next time around, he ran again, 
And he thought he'd do fantastic. And I think he got like 7% of the vote or something. He didn't learn anything. Whereas you'll see others go out and learn, they come back, and then they win after having lost an election. And you realize maybe they don't have like a disorder because they can learn, but they still may have some traits of narcissism. Mm. So malignant narcissists is a combination of narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders. And so they're even more um, driven to dominate people, to con people, to just lie. They just lie about almost everything. And so most narcissists exaggerate and lie maybe occasionally, but the antisocial aspect makes them really want to dominate other people and makes them willing to totally lie, totally make things up to gain control over another person. And they really like having even physical control, like domestic violence, like, um, you know, even even in the workplace is terrorizing them. You probably think of it as being terrorized by somebody. Um, so that's the malignant narcissist is that combination. And that's the worst. And that's the, yeah, the absolute worst, the people you really don't want to be around. And do they know what they're doing? Do they know they're this way? If they have a disorder, personality disorder, like narcissistic personality disorder, they don't. And that's one of the characteristics of personality disorders is this lack of self-awareness, self-reflection. Everything is caused by other people. They don't connect the dots, as we like to say, back to themselves. But if they don't have a disorder, they may just have some traits. They may have some self-awareness. And I'll... I'll give you a quick story. I don't know if I've told this story before on the podcast, but to me, it was a great example. I had a law client, a uh, husband in a divorce, and and he said, I was talking with my therapist, and we agreed that that I just have narcissistic traits, not a narcissistic personality disorder. What do you think, Bill? <laughs> And I said, well, I'm not your therapist, so I don't want to go too deep into that. But you might be right. And one day, he called me up and left a voicemail. And he said, you know what my wife did now? You won't believe it. This is awful. You have to call me back right away. And he goes on a little bit. And then he goes, oh, wait a minute. Wait, you don't have to call me back right away. It's not a crisis. You know what? You don't even need to call me back. I'll just take care of this. And I think because he was really working on himself, that he's an example of someone with narcissistic traits who had some self-awareness and that he perceived things as a narcissistic injury or a crisis when in fact it wasn't. And he was able to check himself and go, wait a minute, I don't really need your help. It's not really a crisis. And that's what that's what we hope for. And that's what we try to help people with. That's what a lot of therapists, if they have a narcissist in treatment, try to help them develop that some of that self-awareness. But in legal disputes, we often don't see that. Workplace disputes, we often don't see that. How, uh, how effective is treatment for NPD? What's interesting is, is they're not attracted to therapy. Uh, when I was a therapist, out of maybe 400 cases, I remember maybe three narcissists. Really? They, yeah. 
Yeah. Interesting. Because they don't seek therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I had, he came because his wife was thinking of divorcing him and his business partners were thinking of pushing him out. There were four, four partners in the business and the other three were pretty tired of him. And he came in for treatment for anxiety because this stuff made him anxious. And so I never said, you've got a narcissistic personality disorder. I just said, okay, well, here's some tips around anxiety. And I tried to teach him some self-reflection and to kind of study his impact on the other people, uh, like his wife. Like, how do you think your wife felt when you said that, that thing? And he said, well, the thing I said was true. And I said, it may or may not have been true, but think of how it felt to her. You know, when someone says, like, when you, someone says that to you, it makes you anxious, right? That's what you told me. So trying to teach some self-awareness as a way to deal with anxiety. Now, in substance abuse treatment and group, group counseling for substance abuse, we had several narcissists. Getting them in, in doing well with, like, 12-step treatment, learning to examine their own um, behavior, have some humility, really was helpful in treating narcissists. But by and large, they don't go. If they do, it's often in their 40s and 50s when life isn't working the way their fantasy was, and they finally realize maybe they have to work on something. Mm. I suppose they see uh, therapy as beneath them and as as a rejection of author- like they, they don't like authority, right? You're absolutely right. What could the therapist know? know? (laughs) (laughs) They just went to school for 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But I I know more just because of who I am, says the narcissist (laughs) to themselves. So so most of them don't go for counseling. And you have to have a counselor who's really good at this because getting criticized all the time isn't helpful. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I've spoken with, with several therapists who you know, have expressed privately that they're not that fond of having to do therapy with, with narcissists because it's it's challenging, number one. And I suppose there's a lack of progress and that's that's must be somewhat defeating <laughs> in your everyday job. <laughs> um, so let's switch to the uh, person who is dealing with a narcissistic HCP. So this could be in a marriage, a divorce, in a family situation. So, you know, the way we kind of look at things is, is in terms of length. So if you're a lawyer dealing with with a, a a client, let's say with a with this type of personality, it's a shorter term relationship. As the lawyer, you're trying to get them from A to B and out the door, um, and you learn the skills to manage that that relationship. But if you're in the family situation or a neighbor situation or you know one of longer uh, a longer term, those are the most challenging. So. In that situation, you know, what's the experience of the person who has that narcissistic personality in their family? Um, it's their dad, it's their mom, it's, you know, let's say the next door neighbor or uh, a teacher at school. Well, I think the first thing is to take care of your self-esteem because narcissists just chip away at your self-esteem. And it's important that you can kind of, in your brain, tell yourself, that's not about me, that's about him, or that's about her. So I don't have to get defensive, it's not about me. But a, a second thing is figuring out how to set limits 
on what that person can or can't do with you. And you may even need to leave a conversation and say, you know, we're just going to have to agree to disagree and I've got to go now. So have a, have a nice afternoon or, you know, whatever limit setting. You have to resist the urge to insult them back when they insult you. Uh, is, one of the toughest things ever. <laughs> yep. Yep. This is the opposite of what you feel like doing. <laughs> exactly. For sure. But with setting limits is giving a reason that's not personal. You know, it's like our policy is we don't allow certain activity or um, you'll you'll succeed better if you follow this approach. Or for lawyers, you know, as a lawyer, I've had to say this is, you know, I can't as a lawyer do that thing you want me to do. Like you want me to hide some of your money and I can't do that. So it's just a policy, the ethical rules. I can't submit documents that leave out that money that you're talking about. So you'll have to make a choice. If you want to work with me, we've got to include that money. If you're not going to include that money, I'm not going to file these papers and I, I really can't be your lawyer. So I, it's up to you. I leave it up to them. Um, but I make it clear this is just a rule. You know, it's not personal. It's just matter of fact. You can't hide money in your court papers. So I, I think you really hit it there that, you know, it, you can't uh, you can't take what they're doing personally, uh, which is one of the hardest things when we deal with high conflict people, because there are personal attacks against us. Right. There are such extreme emotions and behaviors and um, we can get hooked into all of that and, and take things personally. And then the yeah. more vulnerable a person is too, the, the more difficult it is to, to be around a, a bully, someone, you know, with, with a narcissistic personality. Absolutely. And you know, one more thing to add in here, what to do is get support for yourself. So you've got people that say, no, you're not crazy. You're doing okay. It's reasonable that you're setting limits, um, doing what you have to do so that you don't just absorb, you know, I'm starting to call it the bully story. And narcissists are some of the biggest bullies, and they always have a story that makes them superior and you inferior. And, don't and that they're the injured one? Yes, yes. They play the role of victims. Like, how could you do that to me? You know, and you're thinking, what? I didn't do anything except set limits, you know? And it's like, how could you set limits on me? I'm, I'm the most superior person in this firm or in this household or whatever. <laughs> yeah, in this family, right? And then they yeah. they try to so they try to draw those other people in to become their negative advocates with right. these stories, and that they're the I'm I'm such a victim, and you know the the people in the middle just don't know what to do, and they believe them, and you know can advocate for them as as you pointed out um, in all of your work about negative advocates. So um, a couple more questions. Uh, the first is you know we talked about statistics, and um, we I think if if I recall correctly, about nine, maybe nine million people in the U.S. Uh, could possibly be narcissistic HCPs. That's a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot, a lot. Uh, so it's it's pretty likely that you're going to run into them. And at High Conflict Institute, we've had so many, you know, that probably thousands, thousands of people at this point that you know call us and say, you know, I'm this is what I'm dealing with. I, I have dealing with a narcissistic HCP. So it's probably true because uh, there are quite a few out there. Um, so is there a, I, you mentioned the study, uh, that's about 15 years old. Did it, uh, break down the genders? 
Yes, that study did. It's very interesting. And I think it was pretty accurate. So what it said was that um, people with narcissistic personality disorder were about 63% um, male and 37% female. So almost two to one. But they also seemed that younger women were starting to catch up. So what we're seeing with gender and personality disorders is that we're becoming more equal. Ones that are predominantly male, women are catching up with, and others we'll talk about that may have been predominantly female, men are catching up with. So you can't, you can't have a presumption that, oh, this is a man, so they must be narcissistic, and it's a woman, so they couldn't be. Both genders definitely well represented. I want to make sure that I say this every podcast, and that is don't tell somebody you think they have a narcissistic personality disorder or that you think they're a high-conflict person. Because all of this stuff is very, usually people are not self-aware, but they don't like to be told things like that. And usually people with personality disorders have been told that all their lives, that there's something wrong with them. So they're very defensive and that won't help you. You don't want them defensive. You want them focused on solutions and what to go forward doing rather than name calling. And they're, yeah, they can be pretty touchy. And so it's it's just a very bad idea to to tell anyone they have a personality disorder or they're a narcissist. And I, I'm literally just off the phone before this we recorded this episode with someone who um, explained that their mother is a narcissist. You know, I read about it on the internet. <laughs> so I know I, my mom's a narcissist. Uh, so there's a lot of that out there. And, and you, you know, the, the term is, is bandied about quite a lot um, in conversation. But what I think the difference between just someone who is self-absorbed and, you know, being on the end of a narcissistic HCP, being that target of blame, being bullied, you know, you know the difference. You've felt that difference. You've you you've felt the blame. You've felt small. You've felt yeah. little. Um, yeah. You felt vulnerable and weak and not very smart. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. You know what? <sighs> I think this is worth discussing. Uh, we are asked a lot whether HCPs are we saying that they're bad people, and I, you know, I. I I think we can agree that, uh, you know, people have both positive and negative aspects to them. But, you know, when when it comes to this, you know, malignant narcissist or, you know, an, a narcissistic HCP, uh, are they bad people? No, 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 no. And I want to emphasize that. First of all, they, they didn't choose to become this way. People's personality comes from their genetic tendencies, early childhood, first five or six years, and the culture they grow up in. You don't have control over any of that. By the time you're an adult, this is who you are. And personalities are pretty stable over a lifetime. So I think we have to have empathy for high conflict people and people with personality disorders and set limits, not judge them. I, I like to say, you know, I worked in alcohol and drug treatment for several years. And we we learned we don't judge alcoholics and addicts. They have a disease. They have a problem. And we want to help them with that. And so I have this saying about high-conflict people that they're kind of like alcoholics and addicts. We don't judge them, but we don't want them in the driver's seat. <laughs> right, right. 
Yeah. And it's, it's like you said, it's a no, it's good to take a no shame, no blame approach, but it can be one of the hardest things we do particularly in a, in a family situation um, or where you have to, you know, maybe a narcissistic boss and you have to be around this person and, you know, you feel worn out and exhausted and, and you just don't want to see this person, but you have to. So it can be a challenging situation. So I like that you said, you know, take care of yourself first, make sure that you're okay. And, um, you know, if you need to see a therapist so you can get some skills and uh, build up your own self-esteem and, and keep yourself right, you know, those those are good things to do. So um, I just want to close out with one thing about, you know, you just mentioned that these are lifelong pro- problems, right? They start uh, way back in childhood or even in utero. So what could you tell parents who are raising children right now? Um, how do you, you know, prevent from growing a budding little narcissist? Um, and, you know, basically, how do you, how do you, grow that healthy little human being? Well, one of the key things is don't tell your child that they're special. And this is counterintuitive, but narcissists think they're special in the world. And for the last 20, 30, maybe even 40 years, uh, parents have been telling their kids they're special. And then kids hit, you know, college or I have I teach law students and the law students say, yeah, we were told we're special. And then we had all this competition. We weren't ready for it. Oh, dear. <laughs> so what I say is tell your kids, you know, you're special to me, but not to the world. Mm. You're going to be competing with thousands of people for boyfriends, girlfriends, jobs, all of this. And that you need to tell yourself you're not special. You're going to have to work hard and learn skills. And so it's all about learning skills and working hard, not just walking, strolling in like, hey, I'm special. Everybody bow, bow, bow down to me. And so I think that's important. Don't treat the child like they're the center of the universe. Help the child learn about empathy. You know, there's this one program that teaches kids in school, don't do a project on why you're special, do a project on one of the other kids and what's some of the interesting, unique things and important things about them and why you're glad to be on the same team with them or whatever. So that's that's the key. And it may sound harsh, but I've just seen the culture so much tries to make young children especially feel that they're special and can do no wrong. And I think we almost need to do the opposite, say, you know, life is hard, life's a struggle, and you've got to work hard, and you've got to learn, and I love you. Mm-hmm. You're special to me, but not. But the world doesn't care, and you better be ready for that. I like that. Yeah, I, I like to say that, you know, with, with some narcissist and, and probably all of the five types that, uh, but I think most especially the narcissist, it's either that they didn't struggle enough or they had to struggle too much. Yeah, I think that's true, that it's that's that vulnerable narcissist or the grandiose narcissist. They need a balance. Kids need love and they need skills. Yes. So I have so much more and I could keep going, but I know we have to end this and we have 
plenty of episodes, uh, you know, down the road, and we'll we'll visit uh, revisit narcissistic HCPs quite a lot of different aspects in different areas. So, but we'll wrap it up today. And you know, as Bill said, just make sure you don't tell anyone else that you think they're high conflict or are a narcissist or you know have a personality disorder um, because it just it just won't go well um, for either of you. So. Uh, in the next episode, we will continue talking about the five types of people who can ruin your life, focusing ex- exclusively on something that you've already touched on today, which is the antisocial personality, um, the high conflict personality. So uh, until then, we wish you all the best in your conflict situations. It's All Your Fault is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by Wolf Samuels, John Coggins, and Ziv Moran. Find the show, show notes, and transcripts at truestory.fm or highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. Mm-hmm.